0: So here we are on Ash Wednesday, 2020. Where do you find yourself tonight? How might you answer the question, where are you? And when you think about the long, long uh, stretch ahead of us, Lent, where are you going? And how do you imagine you might get there? Let's pray together. Loving Father, help us tonight to see clearly where we are. Help us to envision the way ahead that you invite us to. And help us to make the path by walking it, by your grace. Amen. We refer to our church calendar as the Circle of the Church Year. Uh, With regards to our growth and our journey to God, perhaps it is more like the spiral of the church year. Because when we come back to Ash Wednesday in the year of our Lord 2021, it's unlikely that we'll be in the place uh, that we are today relative to where we're going. There is that glorious potential for us to be further up and further in, if we travel the long days of Lent to Easter that are before us and beyond by asking, where am I? Where am I going? And how do I get from here to there? So where am I? Well, taking stock at the beginning of Lent may mean that we recognize that the way forward is back. That's repentance. And repentance is not regret for suffering brought on ourselves or others nor is it wounded self-love or hurt pride at failing repentance is turning around and going a different direction so the where am i question might be answered in part by identifying those things where we know we're falling short we've made a wrong turn at some point and found ways of explaining and justifying where we are. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, says the psalmist. Answering the where am I question might be for you more about where am I in relation to God? Am I secure in his love? Do I have a vague sense of being a disappointment to him? Am I in a place of fear Afraid of what others would think if they only knew? Have I drifted? Am I distracted and anxious about many things? Avoiding connection with God? Or just genuinely confused? Well, sometimes we're aware of where we are, and other times an outside voice is needed to alert us. So the Israelites in the Isaiah reading this evening seem to be genuinely confused about where they were. Hey, we're fasting and seeking you daily, so what's wrong? Why are you not answering our prayers? And God calls it out for them, um, announces it in no uncertain terms, like a trumpet even. So noticing where we are can result in a good desire to move along in growth, or take a new road, and in that noticing, distinguishing between our inner critic and our inner observer can be so helpful. Inner critic adds a load of shame and confirms our worst fears about ourselves, and the end result is usually that we remain stuck right where we are. Inner observer notices and names and sometimes laments, to be sure, but says, here's where I am. Naming is a good place to begin getting somewhere else. And let it be a relief to us that our reality is actually the only place that God ever meets us. And Lent invites us to ownership. We can think about the where am I question in terms of the whole salvation story, too. We don't pretend any time in Lent that Jesus hasn't died. Where are we? Well, however we've answered the question with regards to those things we may need to turn from, or in our relationship to Christ today, where we are is on the other side of the cross, with Jesus ascended, praying for us all, and the Spirit with us. And finally, with regards to this question on Ash Wednesday, we're particularly mindful of what got us to today and to the place where we are even in need of repentance, help in our relationship with God and others, and in need of the cross. We remember the dust from which humankind came and was not meant to return to. We remember the saddest of days when Adam and Eve moved away from where they were in relationship to God and took us all with them. But look, the Bible word is behold, Behold, the question from our loving creator is not, uh, what have you done? Great, you've messed everything up. But where are you? What have you done comes after. I love that. Our God of love asks the relationship question first. First we can ask the question of ourselves. Far more wonderful is the thought that the God God who made us and desires each one of us to be with him still asks it of us today on this day with love and longing. Where are you? Where are we going? Our Isaiah reading this evening describes the flourishing of God's people when they identify that where they have been is in a place of some hypocrisy. And turning from that, move to a place where they are active in the world to bring about justice. And the movement from being a people proud of their own religious activity, and from that position feeling as though God owes them, to a place of care for the downtrodden is where God intends for his people to go. As God's people, why is that where we're going? Well, the first answer is because God cares about the vulnerable and the suffering. He cares that the desire of the afflicted is satisfied. Any good work in the world that loosens bonds of wickedness, sets prisoners free, feeds the hungry, shelters the homeless, and clothes the naked can be celebrated. But we need to keep going past activism to something else. God's kingdom is made real in the world by people who have become something. The kingdom of God is justice and peace, but the kingdom of God is the paradoxical reign of God's life within us first. Engaged in setting others free, his people are promised freedom. Emptying their resources to fill the bellies of the hungry, they're satisfied. Sheltering, they find themselves sheltered. Defended by the glory of the Lord, bringing others out of darkness, their own gloom transformed into light as the noonday. Attending to the cries of the poor who are going unheard, their own frustration over unanswered prayers is replaced with the realization that they have God's ear. Healing to be healed, poured out to be satisfied. It begins to sound like our Savior, Jesus, who poured out his soul unto death and was satisfied. The kingdom of God coming, uh, not because of activism, but because of participation in God's life, is where we are going. Isaiah could have said, and you shall be like a gardener who waters a garden well, or like a person who offers refreshing water faithfully to others. But instead, it's, You are the garden. You are the spring. The gardener does. The garden is. The waterer does. The spring is. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, may they also be one in us. That's from John. Where are we going? God's people gain a reputation in the world has builders, repairers, restorers, laying a foundation for the generations. We are on our way to union with the purposes of God in the world, and ultimately to union with God himself. That's the vision as we begin the season of Lent. So how do we get there? It seems we have answered the last question already, and yet a pep talk and a call to rally the troops alone is not enough. And it seems out of sync a bit with the spirit of Lent, if you will. So lest we take on Lent as a self-improvement program generated by our own capabilities, we do well to remember, as God does, that we are dust, dry bones. And without the sacrifice of Christ, the animating work of the Spirit and the grace of God, how then will we make progress in the journey toward union with God during this season? when we are intentional about taking stock of where we are and mindful of where we're going. How did Jesus prepare to fill, fulfill that ultimate pouring out of his life for others? It was not an upward call, but a downward one. He went into the wilderness. He fasted and prayed. Pray and fast and give is what the gospel reading says we are to do. And what Christians have done during Lent for centuries, Jesus does more than simply advocate for those disciplines. He tells us how to approach them, not like this, but this way. And the Jesus Storybook Bible has been out for many years. Um, but if you don't have a copy of that yet, um, I recommend it for even if you don't have, don't live with children. Um, and there's a wonderful story. Um, The way she tells that of the extra super holy people standing on the street corner (laughs) hoping that everybody will notice they're praying. So spiritual disciplines are not for personal self-improvement and both Isaiah and Matthew this evening are clear about uh, becoming one of those extra super holy people. So it's not the practices themselves that we may take on during Lent but it's that through them a space is made where God can work. So Lent is about making room for God to do his work of grace, and it is grace from start to finish. And recently I've found inspiration in something else. Ultimately, where we're going is to perfect and permanent union with God. And there is a kind of rest in that thought, but the thing that moves me toward it is that Father, Son, and Spirit want me there in that fellowship. And that... Seems different, doesn't it? From accepting that God loves me and does good things for me, which is also wonderful. But the fact that He desires that intimacy with me inspires me to grow in responding to His love. So we can take that to heart. So ultimately, we get from here to there because God desires it. Whatever the cause is today of you seeking to move toward God, your own love or gratitude, a disappointment or a felt need, a desire to do right, weariness of life without him. Whatever it is, it can only be secondary. The prime cause is the call call of God. And this is how Julian of Norwich says it. I am the ground of thy beseeching. First, it is my will that thou have it, and after, I make thee to will it. And after, I make thee to beseech it and thou beseechest it. How, then, should it be that thou should not have thy beseeching? Where are you today? That's where you begin, as we begin the long journey through Lent. And that's where God meets you. Look at the gap between where you are and where you are going. There is work for us to do in cooperation with God. And any movement in that direction is all grace. So both statements are true. Let us trust grace. Spiritual growth takes time. Let us believe in the strength of grace. Let us believe in this call to holiness that does not come from us or or from our capabilities, but from the vitality of grace. So we get from here to there because the love of God calls us and his grace makes it possible God is cultivating our ability to respond to him. Though much of the work of ownership and of responding to God's love is solitary work, remember that we are on the journey together in the family of God. Who walks with you? Who prays with you? Who hears your confession? Encourage you in your practices. Let's take advantage of being a people. And we can also take heart that Jesus has gone before us and made the journey from there to here and back again. Holy Spirit is with us. Father stands on his toes and strains his eyes, watching for us to come into view. Amen.